yeah, how do we want to um, how do we want to open this up? Do we want to open it up with with the premise each time, or do we just want to? Um, you know, I, I don't know. A lot of people do that each time. You know, they go through this kind of little rendition. I mean, maybe we need to do it for the first few weeks, maybe for the, even the first year of podcasts or something. Or maybe we can come up with an introduction that yeah tells it real briefly, you know, some point. I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. No matter what it is or who commenced it, I'm against it. Your proposition may be good, but let's have one thing understood. Whatever it is, I'm against it. And even when you've changed it or condensed it, I'm against it. I'm opposed to it. On general principles, I'm opposed to it. And it's just it's just the opener. Like every yeah. time and then like moving into it. And I didn't know if we wanted to maybe come up with something like that or just let something evolve like eventually. Yeah, I think so. I think as we talk about it, you know, it will we'll become even more clear ourselves on exactly everything in the premise. And, you know, maybe we can come up with something to where somebody else does a voiceover and we have some type of either animation or picture or something that comes up. I mean, if we wanted to get real freaky with it, but yeah. you know, with the theology program right now, we've gotten to the point so far down where we just start talking right immediately. I mean, we don't even introduce ourselves anymore and stuff. Yeah. So, it's it's much different, and I'm not saying that's the right way to go. Hey, it's you finally mean, coming up. Oh, well. You mean with uh, theology unplugged? Yeah. What did I say? The theology program. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. We can plug everything that we need to. You know. Yeah. You know, there you whatever, go. Whatever. Whatever we have to do. But um, uh, we can't plug theology unplugged. That would be what in the heck? Yeah. You can you can plug whatever you want, man. I've got I've got it's like un, it's unplugged. I've got books. If like you plug it, then plug. it will be theology plug. <laughs> That's true. I, I do have this, this one book over here called Increase My Faith that's sitting up there, but I don't know who wrote uh, that thing. Amazing. Where is that at? I don't see it anywhere. Um, it should be. You know what? It's probably cutting off your from your. Don't try to get it out of the out of the <laughs> picture. That's, that's, your, that's your pride and joy right there. <laughs> that's it. It's autographed, too. Yeah. <laughs> I had somebody really important autograph it right above yours. Right above your <laughs> autograph. But. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but no, I mean, I just figure, I just figure up on uh, my little shelf here. I'll just have some, just some books randomly sitting there. So I got two Torrance books and then, um, I got Ian Wallace's dissertation, the faith of Jesus Christ. Well, here's uh, what I say is you and I, you and I just were, we're, we're loose like this yeah. right here. This could all be being recorded and go up, you know, yeah. it's good yeah. stuff. Everything we've done so far is good and it relaxes people. And as long as they see that we, we, we feign our friendship, then they'll believe it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well then let's just, uh, let's just jump into it with the premise here. All right. Okay. You, you wrote out this premise and it was in, and you know, I'm going to start diverging from it already. It's diverging right. theology. We're going to do this. So your presence, right. your premise says, uh, with either subterfuge or a genuine representation, we express areas of theology where we are divergent from assumed norms. Now I'm already Just taking assumed it. norms. Yeah, assumed I'm, norms. What kind of norms? Yeah, exactly. What do you mean? Assumed norms? Who wrote this stuff? That I is, know, not, this is I mean, garbage. I mean, okay, <laughs> no, okay. No, no. Here we go. Here we go. Assumed Christian, assumed evangelical, assumed Protestant norms. That's kind of where I'm going with that. Okay. And so we will diverge from that in in a sense, 
you know, at least at least teasing a divergence. Yeah. Whereas maybe we might pull it back together and put it back together similarly. But sometimes it, it'll just kind of blow things apart, and you're going to have to sit there and and decide whether or not you think Sam and I are Christians. Yeah, exactly. Well, another thing too is that I mean, you have the word subterfuge in there. I'm totally not going to do that. Like, I mean, and this is where it's going to get real dicey for us, too, because, I mean, as trained theologians, our opinions are more likely to be scrutinized as heresy than people who aren't trained. Yeah. Because you can always say for somebody that's not, they, you know, they, they didn't go to seminary, you could say, well, maybe they just don't know better or they need instruction. We're supposed to know better. So, and we, we are, we are, you know, so which, which we're, we're on right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is it. Okay. All right. Well, that is Sam. I am Michael, <laughs> Sam Kovach. You have been to, um, uh, seminary mm -hmm. and to explain the seminaries you've been to, to explain your education, but first explain your major education that got you started. Cause that's the most important. <laughs> sure. There was a, there was a, a Lutheran pastor named Greg Clagg who, oh, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, no, but, um, uh, it, this is subterfuge this, and divergent. This is no, I'm not, I'm not subterfuging. Um, no, <laughs> there's a, there's a lot going on because it's, it's a, it's a really neat story because, um, what happened was, um, as I was searching and trying to just study theology, like what I was doing is it was kind of aimless. And um, I had a couple pastors that opened their libraries up to me and I'm reading all this stuff. I'm reading a lot of church history. I'm reading history of Christian thought. I'm just like doing this, but I had no way of systematizing it or putting it together. Like it was just, it was extremely random. And then um, one day in, oh, it had to be in like 2005, maybe, um, I came across uh, the theology program. It on, was, it was 2000, right yeah, around 2005. On Bible.org. And yep. I, uh, and, and you had, it was something like 275 theological questions answered. You, yeah. you and Rome. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching these and I'm like, I can't believe these guys are giving this away for free. Like, like, what's going on here? But so I started watching them. Then I realized, hey, this is a whole program, right? And so, and I'm like, these guys are saying all the stuff that I'm reading, but they're doing it in this way where they're, it's like you're building, you're building one thing on top of another. And, um, and so I got in touch with you and I started talking to you through uh, Pal Talk. If we remember that old program. Yeah. I don't even know if that's still around yeah, anymore. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I think it is. I yeah. think it is, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, um, yeah, so I started working uh, with you and, and, um, and doing that. And so what your program did was incredible, was taking this, like, what was like just random stuff and, and putting it in categories for me so that I could start actually evaluating and, and noticing, hey, you know, my, uh, uh, this part of my theology needs to uh, interact with this part of my theology and, and doing all that. And, um, I was, I was actually forced to start teaching it by the elders of my church because they would not let your program in. It was an evangelical free church, but they would not let your program in unless I agreed to teach it myself and not show the videos. Like that was the requirement. <laughs> so I had yeah. to like study like crazy. And I did, um, uh, I think, I don't know. Do you still teach the teaching course? The, the homiletics? Course. We have it, but I haven't taught it in a long time. I mean, all those things I was teaching live at the time. Yeah, I, I off of and we, we haven't taught that. Well, we have taught them live in different ways, but just yeah. not the same way. But I was, that was a very, 
productive time as far as lots of people coming through and you know that was very early on in the internet 2005 and, yeah you know having these these courses online so yeah it, it was a lot of fun and so and so i you know they forced so it really forced me to like study and learn and then you know i was working uh with you closely to teach it and everything and i was doing stuff here in the pittsburgh area and word fm and on the radio and all that stuff um and then we started my wife and i started having a bunch of kids and you know life kind of got in the way and uh, i had to step back from a lot of um a lot of ministry for a while and then um, started getting back into it. And eventually, you know, I made my way to seminary. I went to uh, Trinity School for Ministry in Ambridge, which is a um, an Anglican seminary. And I'm a, just, you know, full disclosure here. I'm a, a Presbyterian. I'm a Presbyterian pastor, um, actually, Bridgewater Presbyterian Church. And um, they had three tracks at this seminary uh, that you could take, a, a Anglican or Episcopalian track, a Lutheran track, or a Presbyterian track. And so I naturally, you know, fell into the Presbyterian track and I studied with some really great professors. Um, Dr. Lewis Mitchell, I took, uh, I was able to take a lot of, uh, courses with him uh privately and he studied under like rc sproul and some other guys he got his um his uh phd from harvard in uh jonathan edwards and his dissertation on edwards understanding of beauty and the beauty of god is is phenomenal um so it's like i got to study under some really great uh theologians while i you know while i was in seminary from a reformed perspective but also I got to know a lot of um, really good Anglican bishops and professors and just you know, people from all over the world and Lutheran uh, professors also. And so it, when I was working on my thesis and putting stuff together, I had all of these different resources that would not be, you know, conventionally Calvinism, Arminianism type yeah. stuff. I mean, it's, it's yeah. completely the opposite, you know, I mean, they, that, those words don't really come up. You don't really discuss them very much, even though, um, my, uh, um, my advisor for my thesis, uh, he wrote his, um, doctoral dissertation on Jacob Arminius. Yeah. And um, and he's also a big Thomas Aquinas fan, so he did he did not like when I slammed Aquinas, like even in my papers. Like I'm not the biggest fan of of, of Aquinas, um, but uh, so that's like so that's really my background. It's it's a lot more nuanced and heavily influenced by this Anglican aspect. And Anglicanism is interesting because of um, how varied it is. You can have people that are what they consider themselves Anglo-Catholic, so they yeah. have a very high Catholic views. I mean they're they're almost our um, our dean of students was a, a Byzantine Catholic priest or is you know yeah. um, and uh, he's still there and um, so all of my influence so I can go real far into the Catholic side of it staying like within like you know not Popish Catholicism um, or you had the Episcopalians that were there also so you had the very liberal you know, un understanding yeah, of it yeah. and, and everything. So within that world, it's like, I mean, uh, I'm interacting with all these students and all these people that are just outside of that don't understand Calvinism or Arminianism and don't care to understand it. And yeah. so their, their world, their understanding is completely different. So I have like all this background that I'm hoping to bring to the table in these discussions that we well, have. Well, you're going to be able to listen to that. I mean, yeah. that is divergent as can be. Although mine, I mean, how more divergent can you get than being a dispensationalist these days, you know, going to Dallas Theological Seminary. Mm -hmm. Man, I just fit right in the line of this this critique. Like people, the, you know, this I'm, I'm one of somebody you put a picture up of and, and you know, uses an illustration of stupidity, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, Dallas Theological Seminary is my background. I'm from Oklahoma, 
city, uh, Edmond, actually, just right outside of Oklahoma City, and I uh, have lived there most of my life. I mean, about 10 years we lived in Dallas while I was a pastor at, at a church there. And then uh, I have had uh, my ministry, which started as Reclaiming the Mind Ministries, and now we're called Credo House Ministries, and we got Credo courses as well. And basically what I do is I produce theological education for lay people. That's what I've done since day one, whenever I got out of seminary, even in the pastorate, that's where I developed the theology program. And, uh, you know, that's been my passion ever since. It's just, I, I believe that uh, we, we should all learn this stuff. And you're an illustration of it. You're, you, you ate it up and and uh, it was great to know you back in those days. So I've known you for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah, it's, it's, and I've, I've been down there and taught at your church and, and uh, uh, taking my pictures with you. That's yeah. what I, I was reminded of when I looked at the phone the other day and you had, that was a picture that you had. And it said, do you want to change this picture? Because you had updated your picture. And it made me really upset because I pushed yes. I don't know why, because I wanted that old picture of us together. <laughs> But anyway, I couldn't get it back. It's it's floating around the internet somewhere. I'm sure we can yeah, find I'll it. Bet, yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Yeah, we, I think and, we have know, less gray hair in it too. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I've got plenty. I mean, if this grew out, pure gray. Uh-huh. I mean, my wife will barely let me grow this out. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I've been doing for a long, long time. Been through some ups and downs in all kinds of ways. But this is this has remained my passion and is to this day. I've got Theology Unplugged podcast that I do. I still have the theology program that is on Credo Courses. If you go to credocourses.com, you can find everything we do. But that's not what this show is about. Let's just Get to our topic. How's that? Okay. Well, one thing I do want to say that's going to be a little bit different because whenever I was teaching the theology program for you, one thing that you really stressed with, with the teachers was that you didn't want people to know where we stood theologically. Because yeah. you didn't want us influencing anyone or swaying yeah. them in, in one direction or the other. Um, that's not what I'm about with this show. I want yeah. you to know straight up exactly where I stand on it so you'll know where my potential bias is. Well, you're going to be different. He's going to be, you know, uh, uh, Laurel Arby Hardy. You know, it's, yeah. Yeah. I will. I, I am about to subterfuge, not yeah. because I just want to be trick trickster, but because I want to lead into it. I'm more of an inductive type mm-hmm. person than a deductive. A deductive person will start and say, here's the topic, here's exactly what I'm going to say, here's a summary of it, now let me get to it, now let me repeat it. And I like a little bit more the the interaction, and, and, and not, not that the other one's not great. I mean, I do do a lot of deductive stuff, but I like a little bit more the development. And, I mean, people, you know, it, it may be called clickbait when we put titles yeah. on things. Yeah, well, you have and, to. And, and, you know, I, I want people to be emotionally engaged in the subject and be able, I mean, if you're going to throw things at me, be mad at me. I got this from a teacher early on, uh, Glenn Kreider at seminary, one of my, my very first theology introduction to theology class. And I hated the guy. <laughs> I mean, I, I built a student reform to try to get him out every single day after, after school. I was like, can you believe that guy's teaching here? What he says da, 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 da. you know, and I would just talk and talk and I'm first year, first class seminary student. Who was I? And but but by the end of it, I understood what he did. I understood why he did it. And it really engaged me emotionally. And he sacrificed people liking him mm-hmm. for for uh, being able to engage it in such a way. And he's always done that. And I've tried to illustrate that. But, you know, everybody just likes me so darn much that I can't I, I never sacrifice that. 
you know? Yeah. It's just the way that it is sometimes. Yeah. And so, like, when, whenever we talk about stuff, like, there, there are going to be some subjects that I'm going to let you know I'm not 100% on, but I find them intriguing. And if yeah. we want to just talk through a, a couple, like, teaser topics that we may get sure, with. Sure. So one of them that, I, that I, I put on our list that I do want to I, I do want to look at is the whole controversy with Andy Stanley. And the, okay. and I don't even, you didn't even put that on the yeah, list. It it's, it's, on, it's on page two. Okay. Um, and, and, oh, and I want to, if he's right about the old Testament and un, unhooking it because you know from the new Testament, cause I think that, I think Paul may have done that. And that's something that I want to get into. And so it's like, I'm on the fence about it. I, I think that I can understand it, but I, I want to, I, you know, when we go into something like that, that I'm just like, look, I'm kind of on the fence about this, but I'm willing to entertain it. And I mean, honestly entertain it that, Hey, if, if this is something that's true, why not? Let's let's entertain it, yeah. wrestle with it, see what and, happens. And just but 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 isn't that one of those things where I was I was talking to a friend of mine that um that graduated with me today and <laughs> I, I mentioned that to him and he's like well, you don't believe that this, the, the Old Testament's not important, do you? And I'm like, I, I don't, but I, I want to I want to engage into this. I want to yeah. look into this yeah. and just be like, you know what if it is like, what does that do to my theology? I mean, honestly, yeah, what does that do yeah. to my soteriology? Is that such a, a, a big deal? So that'll be something that's going to come down like way, way, way down the line, you know, well, for, good, good. You know, well, well, tonight I'm going to be talking about why I don't believe in Sola. Oz, wait, 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 scriptura. Yeah. Oh man. I know you oh, brought man. that one up and I was like, I was like, we're already getting hate mail. Oh, hey, I didn't see you there. I am Samson Kovach. I'm the co-host of Divergent Theology and the host of uh, the Theology Pit. I'm here to take a moment of your time to, you know, shamelessly plug some of our stuff that we do. Now, I know you've been asking yourself while you're watching these episodes of Divergent Theology, hey, how can I become a Divergent Theologian? Well, that's a great question. First thing you have to do, well, you have to know why you believe what you believe. And the reason for that is because you have to know what's in the realm of, let's say, non-heresy and the realm of heresy. You have to know how far you can go and diverge in each direction and still remain an Orthodox Christian. What's that? <laughs> yes, the best way to go about doing that, in my opinion, is to go to crudohouse.org. Now, what I would recommend is you start off with the discipleship program. Discipleship program is a great way to get an introduction into, you know, what you believe as a Christian. That it's broken down into uh, ten sessions here. Michael's done a good job with this, uh, looking at the Bible, mankind, the Trinity, Jesus, faith, like um, living with God, those sort of things. Um, it's in, you know, two separate sections, but this is if you really are new to the faith or. Kind of, you're thinking of a way, hey, how in my church can I teach something? It's a great uh, great ministry tool. But you're saying, Samson, look, I'm already a Christian. I've been a Christian a while. I want to go deeper. Oh, okay. We have the theology program here. I would say you start off with your introduction to theology. You can all find all of this stuff, credohouse.org, and uh, go through the six-course program. And you'll know a little bit more about why you believe what you believe. Now, as a divergent theologian, and I've, you know, taught and worked with uh, Credo House, even back when it was called Reclaiming the Mind, 
Um, on my podcast, you notice the Theology Pit, where you can go to theologypit.com, you can get great things like mugs and shirts. I have some new shirts that I made up, says I can do all things through scripture taken out of context. Support the ministry that way. You'll notice that I diverge a little bit more. I'm neither a Calvinist nor am I an Arminian. I'm free to do that. Uh, there are other things out there, and we'll get into that a little bit more. But that's where you can be a divergent theologian. So check out the sites, check out the the books and all the wonderful resources that we have at both of these sites and the podcasts. Don't forget Theology Unplugged, one of the biggest podcasts, theological podcasts on Apple. Another nice little tip when you're learning Greek, use cards. Use your Greek cards as bookmarks. It's great. Apocrinomai. Hey, answer indeed. Oh, Michael, what are you thinking? Just listen to the whole thing. Don't turn it off. All right. You know, don't turn that dial. Just every single week as these go on. You are going to have to listen every single week, especially whenever it's my turn. Whenever it's your turn, you're going to kind of do it differently. Well, remember, these these podcasts and these videos are not going to be like hours long. They're going to be half hour chunks and you're going to have to keep coming back. To, yeah. to hear the next the next segment. Is that what it. we're doing? Yeah. Half yeah. hour chunk. Okay, yeah, man. So as How much you, time do we have? No, so as you're talking, like, we, we're going to talk about a subject, you and I right now, yeah. for however long it takes. And if we need to come back and, and record more, we're going to record more. But for easy listening for people... They're going to be, uh, in, it's going to be broken up in half hour chunks. I gotcha. And so you're going to have to give the cue of some sort and just kind of, and, and kind of do something tricky, right? So well, that we can, we can bow, bow out. You and I know, well, Hey, not necessarily. Like it'll like this. Yeah. Like yeah. Lots of winks uh-huh. that nobody sees. Yeah. No, not necessarily, but what it's going to do is it'll be about a half hour. I mean, it's not going to be exact, but every, but it'll start to, uh, you know, there, there'll like be it. a natural pause space. And then there's going to be a little teaser at the end for what the next episode will entail. And, uh, okay. and within a half hour, we're going to say something nuts and that'll be a okay. good teaser. So that's the, so that's the structure of the show and the way we're going to go at it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn over 10 minutes, 15 minutes okay. to you and okay. let you let you make your thesis here and let you really spell out <laughs> why Michael C. Patton, who I'm not sure if I want to be, uh, you know, in, involved ah. with now, <laughs> does yeah. not we believe. We may not be back next week, folks. <laughs> does not believe in Sola Scriptura. Take it. Okay, here's the deal. I do not believe in solo. Let me let me define sola scriptura first, because that's the most important thing. I mean, we we got to understand exactly what it is that I don't believe. And sola scriptura colon here's what I don't believe, and this is the definition normally given. And and one of these you're well familiar with. The other one, you know, I know that uh, you're a little bit surprised by. But n- n- number one, we believe that the scripture is the final or the ultimate authority in all things in faith and practice. Now, oftentimes we define it this way. Uh, We believe that the scripture is the only authority and the ultimate authority in all things, okay? You know, there's a lot of times you have people, and I I hear this all the time from my my well-meaning, evangelical, Christian, committed to Christ friends. 
and they basically are looking at things in life, whatever it is, whatever the issue is, they say, if you don't find it in Scripture, then whatever you believe is not true. And I, I definitely disagree with that. And even if you said, if you don't find it in Scripture, then what you believe is not authoritative. I definitely disagree with that. I don't think either one of those are correct. I do not believe that the Bible is only the only authoritative or even the ultimate authoritative above everything else. Now, just hang with me, because I am Protestant. I do believe that I, I believe in the spirit of the Sola Scriptura that the Reformers believed, but I don't believe that we have carried it on well. Now, you, you know where I'm going to go with this first one, but let me just tell you, and you can join in with me and, you know, uh, add color commentary or add the substance or whatever. But I, uh, a lot of times we do define Scripture as the only authority. And if you define it as the only authority, you've got, you've got really big problems. Because um, you're going to say, uh, in life, I don't, I, I'm, I'm going to carry around my Bible, and no matter what in life, if the Bible doesn't say something about it, there's no authority in this area. And the Bible itself talks about other authorities. Um, it, it talks about the, the creation being authority. It talks about our parents being an authority. It talks about the elders of the church being an authority and prophets being an authority. It talks about uh, the authority of all kinds of things that we look to, the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in that point, some, in some sense, your emotions being an authority that's convicting you of right or wrong, an internal compass that is an authority which is, which is subjective, a subjective authority. And I think the Bible itself would militate against this. So you say the Bible is my only authority, but the Bible itself teaches there are other authorities. So if you start with the Bible, then you've got to broaden your perspective. Now, you, you agree with me on that, right? That sounds like a self-contradictory uh, argument you just made there. <laughs> it, it honestly does. You're saying that, yes, there are other authorities, and the reason I know that is because— no, 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 no. The only no. authority tells me that there's other authorities. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. You're, I'm saying this. But you're this. using saying, the Bible I'm to say, back up what you're no, saying. No, 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 I'm not. I'm saying if you disagree with me and believe the Bible is the only authority, read the Bible. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, but you're appealing to the Bible as the only authority to show that there actually are other authorities. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not appealing to the Bible as the only authority. I'm just appealing to the Bible as an authority that everybody already accepts. But you're working, if, but you're working under the premise that the Bible is, I mean, you're working on, no, under not. the exact premise that you just said. I'm working <laughs> with the premise that the Bible is authoritative, uh -huh. which everybody agree. And therefore, I'm on common ground. Well, let me ask you this. If the Bible didn't say that about other authorities, would you still hold that position? Well, I, I, I wouldn't have any reason really not to because I could say this. I could say God speaks to me, you know, at night, and therefore that's an authority. I could say that God speaks through donkeys and donkeys are authorities. I mean, there's all kinds of ways in which God can speak to us. And I think without the Bible saying that, we might— broaden our perspective even a little bit more and more, you know, because we're we're out there looking for all kinds of other sources, especially if the Bible doesn't speak about itself as being an authority that uh, is is sufficient to uh, uh, to uh, uh, 
sufficient for all things in matters of our faith. All right. Well, you still haven't convinced me. Give me an authority other than the Bible that you would take as authoritative that is not an example from the Bible. Because you name dreams and donkeys and you can find that in there. I would say I would say that everything was ultimately you'll find is an example in the Bible, at least through example, not through maybe not through uh, any type of direct teaching. But as an example, be very difficult because I would first go with experience. Mm -hmm. I'd say experience must be an authority of some sort. You have to live your life. And I, I separate unlike Wesley. I separate between emotion and experience. And I say those are two different things. And I think they are very different things because one's internally subjective how you feel, and once externally, uh, what is happening to you. So, you know, sometimes, I mean, and I'm going to say this is right, but oftentimes whenever we see open doors in our life, right? I mean, what we all go through this. We all take steps in our faith, and or, let's say uh, the Bible doesn't tell me who I should marry, you know? And so I want to find somebody to marry, and then, and then I have to look for I, I have to look for open doors of God and ask God the questions. So you pray to God and you, you, you're not waiting for an audible answer, although some people might. I'm not waiting for an audible answer, but oftentimes I'm looking for movements in my life through my experience to see his hand. Now, I think that is an authority. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily saying it's as great as authority or as clear as authority as the Bible, uh, but it is an authority. But That's a good example. You, but would you Yo? say those? Uh, well, I mean, if if you're talking about marriage, of course you're using the Bible as an uh, authority on who you marry. I mean, if you've done any type of marriage counseling, there's you know not being unequally yoked. You wouldn't say you know it'd be good for a Christian to marry a pagan. Like there's going to be well, problematic know, stuff like that. There's tons of Christians out there to choose from. There's tons of Christians to choose from. Which one do I choose from? I know, and and that's well, Lord, it's not. It's not which, which one do one, I choose but, from? Let me open the Bible. Yeah, and and the Bible says, okay, of all the people to choose from, you have this pool to do from. I hope you pointed to Ruth. I hope you opened it up to Ruth. That would be so great. Whoever obeys my commands, that's whoever obeys my commands. I should have looked this up (laughs) because Christy and I would not be married. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, but but no, it's I I still don't know if you're getting. uh, Let me ask you this, okay. It could because as Protestants, we would, of course, um, you know, disagree uh, me, me, you know, confessionally with the uh, Roman Catholic understanding of the way that their church is structured and the magisterial authority. So could you make the argument for them that the magisterial authority is an authority that is on par with Scripture, even though it's not found within Scripture? Well, I want to make the argument that it's on par with Scripture, but I definitely make the argument that it is it is uh, an authority of some sort. Now, that that could come one of two ways. You could either go to the Scripture itself and go there, or you can just go to uh, the experience, I mean, of authorities that you have whenever you have elders in your own life. You don't even have to read the Bible or anything to see authorities growing up and to trust people and to see and hand over your authority to people. And and that that's really easy. Now, whatever the Bible enters, you're just like, well, the Bible trumps everything, so therefore these all don't matter. That's not true. Sola Scriptura does not say that parents, grandparents, uh, people that are mentors don't matter. Uh, that is not at all what it's saying whenever it does that. But without the Bible, you can definitely see that even in a, non, uh, in a non-Christian's life, they have authorities. You know, okay, nobody is so, a So you're just talking about authority in general. 
Yeah. And even though any so authority far, so far. Yeah, and, and even though every authority that you mention, regardless of what it is, you can find a biblical precedent for it. If you look sure. hard enough, you do enough uh, theological harmony to, you know, jumping jacks or gymnastics or whatever, you can find anything in there. I mean, even down to you know, governmental authorities, like, I mean, just every, anything that's in there. There you go. There so, you go. That's another example. Yeah. So let me ask you this then. How are you not believing in how? OK. Sola Scriptura is usually defined a very particular way. Okay, define it the particular way you know, so okay. I can work with that. So most people would use the word either inerrant or infallible okay. when before you know, to modify authority. So it's the only infallible authority. It's the Good. only inerrant authority. It's it's they they give it a a very special place. I like that. I like that. I mean, you're right. You're right. Now <laughs> let me turn this. But I'm going to give you, okay, if, so, but I want you to comment on that. And then I'm going to give you an even more precise definition that I found. Cause I was doing a little bit of research. Well, do you think you should give me the precise definition first. Okay. Well, I mean, all right. If you, if you'd like to, this is what, um, so anyway, I'm totally going to give him credit, credit for this. This was his, um, this was his thesis that he wrote. His name is, uh, Brian Wagner. I think he went on to do his, uh, uh, doctoral work somewhere also, but this is, um, Way for, to go, his, Brian. for his, for his, uh, masters here. He's actually been on, uh, your buddy Leighton Flowers program there. Uh, Soteriology hey, hey, 101. Brian, Brian, you are blessed to be on our first session. That's right. And okay. And his, we'll have to tag you. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. We you may be our only listener. <laughs> so his, so the title was, um, Luther's Wingley and hub mayor who was more faithful to the principle of sola scriptura. And this okay. is how he defines, uh, sola scriptura. He says the Holy scripture is the only always infallible rule that the Holy Spirit has given as the supreme and final authority from which Scripture alone, anyone may interpret for himself what is necessary for salvation, sound doctrine, and Christian living. So, uh, it's, so he, it's like he, a threefold. Yeah, there's a lot in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, definite in there. But but I'm just looking at this first part right now. So the yeah. Holy Scripture is the only uh, is is the only always infallible rule that the Holy Spirit has given as the supreme and final authority. Okay. Well, so let's here, here that we go. part first. Let's, let's move on to the second part of this because I disagree with that. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to Divergent Theology. You can visit our websites at credohouse.org or thetheologypit.com and make a donation. Support the ministry that way. Now, here's a quick look at next week's Divergent Theology. And it just okay. kept going. And so he snowballs I'm, I'm it down grant there. That. I then, completely disagree that. with that interpretation, completely. But I'm going to grant it and still say it doesn't It doesn't change my point. The the main factor. We, well, not, we to turn, make it, not to make an argument ad populum here, but you're diverging from most of the scholars out there on welcome, Romans. Welcome to divergent theology. <laughs> this okay, is I just exactly wanted to make sure. what we're I just doing wanted to make here. Sure this is exactly what we have Thomas to Bryant do. Thomas doesn't agree with you. I mean, <laughs> I can run down the list, but that's okay. That doesn't There's, make it wrong. I don't mean imply that there, there's but lots again, of people, but you know what barth would probably agree barth would probably agree with me um there's well, some other people you know dr uh, uh wesley barth, hill who who's barth a, a great a virgin in a lot of ways yeah. but he was a good guy he was but, a good yeah. guy